This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast, day three of the DC NDC panels. And if you're not familiar um, about what it is, Jamie went to an event in DC, obviously, <laughs> called DC NDC. And we kind of recapped it a little more in the previous ones, but for your enjoyment, so we don't have to annoy you to have to go and be like, oh man, I just downloaded that before I left. <laughs> Jamie's going to give you a little bit of a recap of what the event was, and then we'll get into what today's panel is. Yeah, so again, if you haven't listened to we've done, this is the third episode. If you haven't listened to the first two, we highly recommend you go back, check those out. Um, but what we're talking about is the first, hopefully annual DC in DC event. Uh, and what it was in a nutshell is that DC Comics and DC TV came together um, to have sort of a mini Comic Con, I guess you want to call it. It was it was really a day of panels and a couple uh, premiere screenings. Um, but what made the event unique and special, and, and quite honestly, um, really memorable, is that each of the panels on the Saturday were focused on one uh, community that is traditionally underserved. Um, doesn't get the exposure that it that it should have, um, but DC is making an effort to put more of a spotlight on those uh, communities. So, the two previous episodes we talked about, uh, the first panel was the many shades of heroism: DC heroes through the African American lens. Uh, the second one was called Wonder Women, and obviously those two panels were about African American and female representation, not only in the stories but also behind the scenes as creators and actors uh, involved in those storytelling. Uh, and today we are talking about the pride of DC, the art of LGBTQ inclusion. Um, and so obviously this this panel was focused on uh, on LGBT issues and creators and characters. Um, what was what is interesting and and honestly, I'd never heard of the show beforehand, but there is a new animated series on CW called Freedom Fighters: The Ray. Um, and the Ray is the first uh, gay superhero to lead a show. Um, wow. And uh, it, they 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 played an episode and then they had a panel um, and it was a uh, about how DC is tackling the issues relevant to LGBTQ communities and including more characters um, of different um sexual orientation in their stories mm-hmm. um so that in a nutshell is what this ep- this panel and this episode and these interviews are going to be about and and obviously their their goal is to shine a light because as you you said you had never heard of that show before and right. same as me and that's too bad because that's a that's a really awesome thing and you know it's it, it hopefully at some point it'll get to the point where where we don't have to shine a light because it's just a normal thing that there's, right. you know what I mean? That there is representation. So let's talk about who your first guest is or who your guest guest or guests. I'm not sure <laughs> in your panel interview. Yeah. So let's start off since we were talking about that show, the, uh, the Ray, let's start off with uh, Russell Tovey, who is an actor. Um, and he is also the, the voice actor. I mean, I hate calling people voice actors because it's so much right. more than that, but he is the actor who is the Ray, um, on that show. Um, and, uh, this was just a one-on-one with him. So let's get into that. There we go. Here we go. And I've got pain as well, which is, I don't know what that's doing. Is <laughs> just in case you need to write something. Oh, got it. All right. Great. 
All right. Hi. Well, Russell, how are you doing today? I'm all right, thank you, yes. You're about to play the Rays. It's an amazing show that's about to come up. Tell us what are the fans are going to look forward to. Well, it's already been on. So fans have witnessed uh, the Ray the Freedom Fighter in the animation, which I voiced. Six episodes have gone out. And you're seeing the origin story of this guy called Ray, who has a doppelganger on Earth 2, which we saw in a crossover event uh, in The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. And when they connect and Ray on our Earth develops superpowers and what that means to him and his uh, sexuality and his personality and where that takes him. Amazing. Yeah. What was it like moving that character from that animation realm into that big Crisis on Earth X crossover? Really be able to explore him even more in that. In that well, what was the best thing? I did the animation the same time as I was filming the crossover events. So I was filming the crossover event at the weekends, I'd have the animation. And they fed into each other. And the animation was like... How many episodes was the animation, Celia? Uh, you did 12. So 12. So, like, so there's a script that covers 12 episodes. And that really shows the kind of background for the Ray, for Ray Terrell. So for me, going into the actual show, it was like, it was free research. As an actor, you always try and develop a character and you always want to find out like who their parents are, where they're from, what their favourite food is. You sort of do these notes as an actor, well I do, just to kind of little bits, just to give you some truth. But having this animation, as well as doing the live action, just fed into each other. And it, was a, it was a gift, really. It helped me out a lot. Yeah. What have you injected in yourself into, into Ray? What have I injected? What have I injected myself into Ray? Well, you know, Ray Terrell uh, struggles with his sexuality. I'm gay, and I was when I was younger, I had a lot of issues with myself, coming to terms with who I was, who, what my future was going to be, who I was in the world, who I was going to tell, how I was going to deal with that, how I was going to tell my family, coming out. So they're big things that I can absolutely relate to in Ray Terrell's world. Um, everybody wants to be a superhero, so I guess I put that into him. And struggling with superpowers, you know, if you get given, not that I have superpowers, but if you get like day-to-day -day life, how to cope with day-to-day -day life, if you can translate that into how that affects you on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, I, try, I just try to put, you always do try to put a lot of yourself into character, but he, you know, he's someone completely different and I have to go by the scripts and translate them, but with my own flair. All right. Perfect, is it? Okay. <laughs> you can try and chop that up. Uh, there's a precedent of moving the characters from the animated world back into live action. And obviously, we've seen you in live action in yeah. the CW, DC Universe. Yeah. But if, if you could have another appearance, where would you see your character fitting in with this like, large pantheon of shows and stories? If, I don't know how much you know about the... Yeah, well, yeah, well, the Arrowverse. I, I would love. Well, when it when it comes to animation, I think that can go on and on and on. I'd love to do season two, season three of the animation of the Ray Freedom Fighters because I think that is just the stories can go on forever. And therefore, live action. I think why can't the Ray have his own show? He can come and visit. He can do crossovers. <laughs> he can have his own shit going on. You know. So that's what I'd feel. I'd feel excited about that if you actually could flesh out the Ray and give him his own, like, world. It's, it's, it was my confident, arrogant answer. <laughs> well, he needs his own show, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing? You what you YouTube? Oh no. Oh okay, no, okay. I thought you just watched the video on YouTube. <laughs>
you know, it just came out in America, but it's online. So, um, as a as a British actor, yeah. have you seen any like reception or have been people yeah. watching it? After? Yeah, totally. It was. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the spikes on like social media is amazing. I've done a lot of work in um, sci-fi, so the audiences, the fan base for sci-fi and comic seem to go hand in hand. I've done Comic Con before in San Diego. So for me, someone just asked me just now, have you noticed a massive like rise, a spike? I said, well, it just feels like the family's got bigger. I feel like more people are aware of me because my sci-fi fan base was quite like loyal and now this is kind of fed in. So that it just feels like there's more people that are part of this world that I love. They're the most loyal fans and the most kind of like uh, into it and stick with it and it's been it's been wonderful the feedback's been wonderful a lot more fan art has appeared uh, gay fan art <laughs> been, uh, you know so I've got, I wear a lot of leather in the show so it's, 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 it's got to translate some apparently it's leather weekend in uh, Washington this weekend as well so, uh, there we go that's, that's why I got invited thank you guys thank you oh we're done alright oh, that was loads of fun okay <laughs> So that was a fantastic interview. I'm going to have to try to find that show. You said it was on the CW. Is that on the CW. Is? Yep. I'll have to check That's it where out. all of the, the DC shows are. It's sort of like they, oh, right, they've got a right. whole, they've got a whole empire over there. That, that shows you how DC illiterate I am. I, I, I mean, I knew that, but I didn't, I, if it was like a trivia thing, I wouldn't be able to be like the CW. <laughs> it's glad. I'm glad we're shining a spotlight. DC and DC. Perfect. <laughs> See, it's, it's right. successful then. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. So, um, why don't you tell us about our next guest? So this is two together. Um, we sat down with Marguerite Bennett and Vita Ayala. Uh, Marguerite has written um, a lot of different things. She's writing Batwoman. She's written a lot of di- different DC characters. She's done the Bombshell series. Um, and Vita Ayala is sort of, I don't know if I want to use the word like up and coming, but they're they're one of the newest voices, I guess, that DC is out is 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 putting out there. And um, they've written for a, a number of different books um and it was just a really good conversation the two of them it, and i wish i i don't know if this comes across in the video or in the audio i should say um i got a couple of really good photos of the two of them and it was just the two of them together um you could tell that they were just so comfortable together the smiles that they gave each other and the the the, the warmth that radiated from them if you if you've ever seen marguerite bennett um, in person. Um, first of all, she's beautiful, but she is just, she's just so friendly and so inviting. Um, and the two of them together, it was just like, you wanted to just hug them. You just wanted to like sit there and hang on every word because they were just so, so interesting. And so just so lovely, just such lovely people to sit down and listen to. Right. So we're going to go play the interview with them right now. We've actually been working with Batwoman more recently. Is it good to kind of give her a little bit more exposure? Because I actually feel like she's one of those characters. I mean, actually, Detective Comics she had a big role as well. So, how does it feel to finally kind of push her out into the forefront? Oh, it's so wonderful. And getting to work with James is honestly delightful. Like, he has been my brother in comics before I was technically in comics. Um, so, no, it's like, you know, it's it's great. We go out to a Mediterranean restaurant, order some wine, and work out, you know, what's yeah. going to be with Batwoman for the next six months. Oh, man. Bat Office is amazing. I know. It's, it's a good process. <laughs> well, I asked this question of the writers who were just here moments ago. Where do you feel comics are going to be, let's say, 10, 20 years from now, as far as representation and the untold stories we haven't heard? Before? 
Um, I think you kind of touched on it in the last table, but I think that we are kind of moving towards normalizing comics in terms of what you see in reality versus what you see on the page. I think that there's going to be a much more normal or diverse range of characters and stories being told, um, and that's really exciting because it's what you do see every day, um, which I like. <laughs> We tend to talk about um, diversity on certain spectrums, like race or gender, and that are so important. But are there spectrums that you feel like we're not talking about, or like groups you feel like we're not we're not talking about that you'd like to see um, oh, representation like mm -hmm. increase? I mean, I think that you know, folk who are neurotypical, you know, or even just down to, to body, you know, the diversity of body size and, and type, and just um, so yeah, I think that you know, as we educate ourselves and as we educate each other, there are going to be a lot of different conversations in a lot of ways that once we are correctly informed, you know, like, like your heart's in the right place, and you, but if you just, like, dive on in there with, like, I read one article, or I read half a Wikipedia page, I met a person in a bar once, it's going to be terrible, and you're going to have shot yourself in the foot over what started with the best of intentions. So, you know, as that goes on, because, you know, becomes um, more and more prevalent, I mean, I feel like a rising tide raises all ships, you know, that it's, it's only to the good to see the truth of the world reflected, you know, as, as best as we can. I think, too, um, kind of that intersection of identity. We do tend to be put kind of in boxes. Okay, well, this is about women. This is about, you know, being brown. This is about being queer. And that's not who we are. We are complex people, all, every single one of us, no matter what our identities are. And seeing stories that kind of take that into account and show the very different perspectives that someone might have because they are, you know, I'm Puerto Rican, you, I, I'm not sure if you're Puerto Rican, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that is what I'm looking forward to. Because um, superhero just like mini comics and stuff like that, they're a lot more mainstream than what they've been in the forever. What opportunities do you see um, possibly rising about in terms of creation? Oh goodness! I mean, there seems to be a sense of urgency to everything that I do, where it's sort of the <laughs> idea of you know, you have this one chance where there's just this fever pitch of attention to you know to, to the medium, um, you know, and it just regardless of genre. And so it's just everything just feels so exigent, and that's the sort of thing that I want to do. Is like, what story could you only tell now, or what story would have the most impact if it were told now, knowing that you know in the span of history, you know how things are going to be read, it's going to change. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was definitely the opportunity to explore some of these more complex kind of relationships and identities within superheroes is really fascinating to me as well. Yeah. Um, beyond just kind of, you know, I've done some topical stuff. Not a DC, but beyond that, like I, I would love to be able to explore these things on a stage that everyone connects to and everyone relates to. Um, are there things that you feel like DC does as a company that really, um, you know, supports? more diverse voices that you, you wish other companies did better or also vice versa the things that other companies do that you wish you know the larger companies like DC would, would incorporate into you know, the, the writing and artist program like just this just level of, of you know mentoring is just phenomenal that's the word too because beyond the program itself there is a very strong relationship between you know the, the pros that have been at it for longer and, and us kind of new people she's not new she's been doing it for a while <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and also, I really, actually, I feel like there's a lot of really cool stuff happening with DC in terms of, at least behind the scenes, that I get to see that is very, very inclusive and very normalizing. It's like, what do you want to write? Why, you know, why do you want to write this? That's important. 
I would like to push this forward. You know, I'm getting to write an issue of Supergirl um, introducing an NV character of color, which is not something I've ever seen in a, you know, like a large mainstream comic before. And that was just, they were like, this seems important. It's like, awesome. Yeah. So. Now, with, with, that, with diversity finally getting the, the eyes on it that it needs to, do you feel that there are characters in the universe that haven't gotten the focus but should get the focus? I want Vixen to have a solo book. So I've wanted this since I was a child. <laughs> I, I love her very deeply. I love her with all my heart. So that's all right. That's just going to be like like five-year-old baby Marguerite's answer to every question. <laughs> yeah. I, will, I will say I, I love so many characters, but Renee Montoya is a character yes. who was very important to me both as as a teen and then as the question and as like a, a younger queer person and now as an older one and I would I would love to see more of her. I want a noir book again with her in the center. I have too many ideas to say. <laughs> um, but I, I love stuff like that and also bringing in other characters that maybe we have forgotten about because they were one note at the time but have so much potential. If you talk to Steve Orlando, he's a wealth of information. There's characters that are, they were in one issue or two issues and he's brought some back that he did such cool stuff with because he was like, no, this can be really cool and they were supportive. <laughs> what do you guys see the industry maybe three years from now? Well, uh, if we're still alive. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that this is not this is not a flash in the pan. This is not just a fad. I think that what we're doing is we're moving towards a place where more perspectives can be seen and are welcomed because people are interested in connecting with other people. No, absolutely. And there's always backlash for any progress and for any, you know, step towards equality or normalcy and you deal with that service and you keep your head high and you move on so. do it with a do it with swag I guess yeah. <laughs> uh, we actually have a few more minutes oh. uh, so a couple more questions if you need to you were actually part of the creator development workshop that DC's doing right now how important was that for you to be able to get that guidance do you feel like they've been pretty forthcoming with stuff that you would like to do I think it was incredibly important um I think that there is no one way to break into comics and no one way to break into DC. It is as individual as anyone in particular, but having the ability to ask of editors, of other pros, of all of these behind the scenes people how things worked and why they worked was incredibly useful. And also we got to workshop. It was a workshop. So you went in with people and you know they very kindly picked apart your story to show you where the weak points are and why, you know, when going forward and writing a book like you were writing, you would want to change those things. And you learn how to take notes. It's, it's vitally important. <laughs> That's I didn't know it was like a legit workshop. I, workshop. Was just I can't be super specific, but That's like cool. it was it was incredible. And we were the we were the prototype, right? So we were the Wild West. We were the first ones. So it was a much larger class, and like they were kind of figuring stuff out. But even then, I know people in the subsequent classes and seeing the refinement. I 
it's incredible. I'm so glad that it's a program that happens. Do you guys find any challenges on learning in a comic book format? My background is prose, so learning to distill things was, I mean, my, and my panel descriptions can still get mighty wordy, and I'm sure the artist just tunes out the first two sentences. Um, so that, and then, like, there's there's definitely, like, a lyricism to a lot of, like, my my dialogue that is, you know, sometimes, well, I need to shake it up sometimes. I'm like, a lot of characters seem to have this one shared proclivity. Um, and also for the weird southernisms from characters who are really southern. But that's so important. I remember reading mm -hmm. Strangers in Paradise, which is one of my favorite comics of all time, changed my life, saved my life. And I would sometimes, like, sometimes it was very much Houston, but sometimes I'd be like, oh yeah, they're like in Texas, ain't they? <laughs> 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 all right, you guys have a break? Thank you, Thank you so much, guys. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, so we're rounding the bend. Our final panel interview of the DC and DC special. <laughs> so who do we have on our final interview? So the last one is also uh, with two people together. We talked to Steve Orlando and Mark Russell. Um, and again, we're to, we talk about inclusion for LGBTQ characters. Um, Mark Russell is the writer on the Snagglepuss Chronicles right now. Um, Steve Orlando writes Midnighter and the Apollo and Apollo. Um, and it's just, again, another great conversation. All right. So we're going to go play this final interview for you right now. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> Marguerite, insects is crazy. Oh. I've been such like such a good girl before that because I've done these squeaky clean superhero books and it was just like guts. You guys have Steve Orlando and Mark Russell up next and you're probably just gonna have three minutes of introductions, two questions, and then go, okay? No problem. Great, thanks guys. Hello. 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 Uh, good to see you. Good to see you. What's up, man? Good to see you. Dean Rogers with the Rock Review. Uh, James Webber with the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Uh, Joe Carbale, News, uh, new release Wednesday. Right on. Kevin with Screamers. Montel with Blur Cut. Right on. And Connie Clark with Geeks of Color. Oh, so how are you guys doing today? Doing good. Overall experience has been... Oh, this has been amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, I rarely get out of the house, so this is fantastic. This is, I'll take it. Anywhere where there's like uh, like brownies and, and press. I can't top that. <laughs> so when did you realize you wanted to become a comic book writer? What was the first comic book you ever went to hear? I want to do this. I answered this one last time. You should answer it. Uh, yeah, I didn't know I wanted to be a comic book writer until it kind of happened. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I was I wrote books, uh, nonfiction sort of humorous books, and then I got a call from uh, from DC saying, "Hey, we're <laughs> we want to do a." A satirical comic about a teenager who becomes president. Would you be interested in maybe writing it? And when you get a call like that, you you have to have a pretty damn good reason to say no. <laughs> so, so I said yeah. <laughs> so I'm an accident. I've been an accidental comic book writer ever since. But I, but I love it. I I can't imagine doing anything else now. Nice. Yeah, for me, honestly, like it was uh, of all things, like uh, it was Electric Blue Superman. Uh, I I owe my entry into comics to the stuff that most people want to forget. Uh, like, like, like Scarlet Spider.
Theater with cut-off sleeves. It was big for me. I bought that book in 1992 and loved it, and then I took five years off, and Superman became blue, and I was back. Uh, but the real answer is there was an editorial about the creation of that character that used to run in, uh, well, at the time, Superman, Man, and Tomorrow, which I don't think even... Uh, probably was canceled soon after. Uh, but the, the talk about how it came together is really which, I mean, this is what I want to do, the collaboration between artists and, and writer. Like, comics are truly collaborative. I'm sure it's been interesting for you coming over from nonfiction and being your own master in that respect versus... You have to you have to trust and you have to risk and you have to give up a little bit to gain more uh, when you're making comics uh, and and I think that's pretty special. Uh, that's one of the reasons I like doing it. Wonderful. One thing I've always heard when you, when you talk to comic book writers is there's there used to be okay you're a comic book writer or you're a writer. Now it seems like more and more these days you're just a writer. So do you see it that way that you're not just a comic book writer per se that there's no blurred line there anymore? Yeah, I mean, you're writing either way. I don't I don't really think of, I mean, I think any sort of take on that comes from a type of stigma, you know, stigma right, that, that exists saying, with yeah. comics, but um, at the end of the day, uh, I, don't, I don't feel that, you know. Right. Uh, you know, it, I, you know, if you're an animal rights lawyer, you're not like just a dog lawyer, you're, you're a lawyer. So, uh, and I mean, uh, it's all writing to me, certainly. Like in the far future, maybe maybe when you guys retire, what would you want people to know you for in the industry? Are it's hilarious going? that you think you can retire in writing. <laughs> <laughs> You, you mean when we die in a gutter somewhere? Yeah, he did. I don't mean that specifically, die in a gutter. Really, I don't aspire to anything more than just be a fleeting part of the human conversation. I have thoughts about the world and what's wrong with it and how we can do better and, and what I love about my fellow human beings. And I just want to say something, add something to that human conversation that hasn't been said before. And I, I think as long as people remember that I was part of that conversation, whether it be through my comics or, or other things, that, that, that's really all, I, all you can hope for as a writer, just being part of the ongoing thread of our, of our culture. Cool. All right, guys, that's about it. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so another great episode is in the can. I can't believe how many of these we've done. It's just kind of crazy, right? It's so natural at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like when you look at the number and you're like, we've put out 167 episodes. Yeah. Or 160. You look at the number and that seems overwhelming if you think back. Like, yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> but it's here and this is the end of dc in dc i hope that is an annual event that'll be yeah that would be amazing <laughs> it would be and they they did make a mention of it at the very beginning they said that hopefully they'll come back and do it again next year um i i hope that they thought it was successful i thought it was a very successful event they they definitely brought the star power they brought a lot of people they really mm -hmm. supported their shows and their books um and it was, it was, oh, I didn't even say this at any of the three episodes. It was held in the museum um, here in DC. So it was like it, the, the panels were all in the theater of the museum. Um, and they had some costumes set up. They had like uh, the Flash and Supergirl's costumes were That's there. Awesome. Um, so yeah, hopefully they'll come back because it's these kinds of things don't happen in DC. Um, mm -hmm. They don't happen anywhere nearly enough quite honestly you know uh, san diego new york at the big cons there's lots of big cons across the country but big cons and then something like this which is a very targeted event are very different things and it would really be great to see more more events like this right i was just about to say next year it should be dc at the smithsonian 
Oh, that would be great. How cool that would, would that be? Cool. be. That would be or cool. Like night at the museum stuff. I mean, the museum is a really cool museum. If you've never been there, it, it's a really cool place. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, oh, there's so many great museums in this town, and they all yeah. have something that you could tie into comics and, and you know pop culture in some way. That needs to be the next Smithsonian pop, uh, like a comic <laughs> dedicated to comics. Well, the Museum of American History does do a lot of exhibits that focus on pop culture. Well, there you go. Per- yeah. I need to. Yeah, I need. I've only ever been in one, and it was for an after hours party, so I didn't right. really get to look around. <laughs> <laughs> so that sounds so like. Oh, I've only been to. I've, anyway, <laughs> swanky, swanky though. After yeah. hours party, <laughs> you know what I mean. All right, so we're gonna be, but we'll be back uh, next week with a brand new numbered episode our regular scheduled show but i hope you enjoyed if this was the only panel show you listen to go back and download the other two and have a listen you won't regret it and you can also find us on twitter at the gbb podcast and facebook at the gbb podcast if you want to continue the conversation in newly our the gbb podcast.com and you can call us and you can send a carrier pigeon you can get to us anyway <laughs> i am justin at 140 justin c I'm Jamie at The Roarbots. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.